You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. We're talking with Dr. Frank Milner about bulk fill composites. Dr. Milner maintains a full-time practice in St. Paul, Minnesota, emphasizing appearance-related dentistry. He is the co-founder of the Minnesota Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, a regular speaker on VivaLearning.com, and lectures extensively within the U.S. Armed Forces, as well as internationally on the subject of direct composite restorations, shade selection, and porcelain materials. Dr. Milner, thanks for joining us on Dental Talk. My pleasure, Phil. Pleasure to be with you. Yeah, and we appreciate your time on the last one. Uh, you talked about adhesive protocols and had some very good advice, for, especially for the young dentists, uh, about the different materials, the solvents, how to store the material, and things to be aware of. Very useful information. Today, we're going to be talking about bulk fills. So there's certainly a growing trend to decrease the number of increments for direct composite, and many of us are incorporating bulk fill composites into our daily routine. So to begin, can you tell us the clinical indications for bulk fill composites? Well, again, here we go. Uh, progress, technology has taken this into a new place. Once again, in dentistry, we have to understand where we are, and we only can see where we are by looking back. And if you look back, Phil, we looked at the traditional way that we loaded these teeth with um, layering, uh, two millimeter um, maximum uh, increments, uh, light carrying in between the increments, which produced shrinkage induced stress, it uh, produced heat. And then we pulled on the adhesive layer after layer, which could result in micro gaps, micro leakage sensitivity, C factors, uh, secondary decay, all these other things. That's where we came from. Mm-hmm. The more layers we could put in something, the better we felt. Right. Well, now we're in bulk fill. And this word bulk fill, once again, could be like universal bond. It's an easy one to grab hold of and make yourself feel good and wrap yourself around it. But you remember there's caveats here, Phil, is that the manufacturers claim that the bulk fills have a greater depth of cure lower polymerization shrinkage induced stress uh, like because because they have polymerization modulators in there which they say will be kinder with less stress um, that it has a different modulus of elasticity uh, and you can photocure in in theory up to four and five millimeters if you measure it with a perio probe okay that's the caveat mm-hmm I use bulk fill, but I'm very, very exact on how I use it and where I use it and how I measure what I'm going to be putting into that unless it is completely uh, dual care material. Otherwise, bulk fill, you're relying on uh, photopolymerization. And if you think you're getting a little greedy down there and stretching it past four, going to five, maybe six, you may not be curing composite. Right. So there's a risk of uh, relying strictly on the light uh, frequencies to cure that initiator down five millimeters below the surface. You're concerned about that, obviously. This is nothing new in our profession. We've been doing this for decades on deep class twos. Uh, We we hope and pray that the light gets down there. Uh, Mm -hmm. We don't know until we find out a year year in advance and we got uh, secondary decay in there. So... Um, again, I'm not, I'm not taking a swipe at bulk fills. I'm saying they are here. They're not going away. They work. 
most of them work from different manufacturers, but you have to understand just like universal bonding agents, how are you implementing these in your preparations? Mm-hmm. So a two-part question here, why are bulk fill composites becoming so popular? And then uh, tell us how they actually work. Okay, why they're so popular is because it takes Dennis off the hook for responsibility. And if you looked at deep class twos or core buildups, when a dentist, including me decades ago, thought that you could triangulate these layers in and uh, you don't connect the, the buccalingual cusps with the last layer, or unless it was very thin, so you don't flex the tooth, is that there was a high level of morbidity involved with the layering process. I hope I'm not offending people. This is my rant. Mm-hmm. It's evidence-based. Is that when you could have more of a monolithic buildup that only shrinks once, so to speak, that sure, it's the difference, Phil, between having a block wall foundation and a poured concrete uh, foundation. You know, the, the concrete foundation goes through a, a, a heat cycle once. The uh, block wall, you have all these other mortars and joints and everything. There's just too much that can go wrong with that, too much stress. Mm-hmm. So a bulk fill is, is good. And the other way I'm going to go and end around on you, instead of saying bulk fill, I'm going to say debt and substitution. Because I think when you're down that deep and relying on bulk fill, you're deep in Denton country. And you're really talking about debt and substitution. Whether you take these, these bulk fills and run them up to the surface as transitional restorations to see if the nerve will survive the, uh, the restoration, if you affordability, um, economic reasons, you have to understand that these, this bulk fill concept is really about reproducing dentin for the most part. So other than the, um, the risk of not getting full polymerization down below, you're all for it. The fact that it's a solid monolithic uh, restoration at the end of the day, you feel more comfortable than the uh, incremental layering. Oh, much, much more. Got to remember, Phil, when I was, I went to dental school in 1972 through 76, the first bulk fill material we used was amalgam. Mm-hmm. Which worked I mean, very well, actually. Well, yeah. it worked, worked very well. It, it, I would rather have a bulk filled amalgam um, that's been done poorly than a uh, resin filling that uh, that has been compromised. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Again, look at the literature, look what you're doing, and just don't to open up a package and just say, I'm going to go bottom up from the bottom, uh, the depth to the top of the uh, occlusal preparations. You just have to um, really understand what you're doing. If you look at uh, glass ionomers, resin glass ionomers, other things also are bulk filled to a certain extent. We're mm-hmm. just using a different type of viscosity material with some photo, different photomodulators in there, and we can eliminate the sequencing of these, this layering concept, which can result in morbidity, increased stress, everything. So I'm all for that part of it, if completely understood. So uh, you went into it in some detail about how it actually works. Can you briefly um, elaborate on the actual mechanism for for this material to uh, be successful in a five millimeter depth? 
You can. First of all, you stage it. If you think you're going to go down real deep on a bulk fill and you're down in a class two box with a with an extension on it, Toffelmeyer or whatever you're using, you, you're going to have to get something down there in the deepest part of that gingival seat. And if you think you're going to have a uh, uh, photons of energy going down that deep, I'm, I'm becoming suspect. Therefore, um, I'm also um, trying to make the, the clinicians think should they be using a dual care uh, material down there if you're going down that deep. If you're using bulk felt, okay, fair enough. Let's get it, let's put it where it should be. I think it should be visualization. The visualization of your preps should be um, reassuring that you can get the light down there and even at the deepest part, that light's going to cure material at a uh, depth of four millimeters. Just like a surveyor stake, I got a perio probe, and my assistant and I always have that perio probe, so we sound first of all before we uh, introduce the material, because I have to have something in my mind of where am I going, where am I stopping, where's my 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 benchmark on this. If I'm going to have two two uh, cures. On this, it's mm-hmm. uh, no different than pouring concrete. You just have to have your survey stakes out and know what you're what you're doing. Tell us about the techniques to successfully and predictably place bulk fill dual cure composites. Okay, different ways. Creative. These are creative ways. These mm-hmm. are not orthodox ways. You have different, two different ways. First thing you do is I would, if I have time and I have all my adhesive protocols down. What I'll do with the bulk fills is um, I would take on my cable surface margins, occlusal cable surface margins, those are called your radius bevels. I would take the first stripe on the buckle um, uh, margin that goes all almost all the way up to the cusp tips and on the lingual uh, wall, and I'd light cure, light cure those. Those are called bumpers. That means that that is adhesively placed and everything I'm going to connect will be attached to something that is adhesively sealed. No mm-hmm. adhe- no polymerization shrinkage. Anything is going to um, pull that apart because they're already adhesively sealed. That's one. Mm-hmm. Number two, you go carefully down to the gingival portion, and when you inject, you put your, hand, your palm on a cannula and you start injecting the material, you have to be guided by the um, injection molding process and not being too too heavy-handed because you don't know where the air voids are, Phil. You don't know if they're going to be on the gingival seats or are they coming up the axial walls. So what I do is carefully, going a little bit back and forth, I place a bead on the gingival seat and I make sure that is completely uh, air-free. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then I walk it up the axial walls, and that's where your 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 preparation meets the uh, matrice, and I walk that up the the axial wall so everything is completely sealed. Right. Okay? All your all your external margins are sealed. The seal is the deal. You want to throw a light on that one? You can. That way you are adhesively sealed, and then you can start backfilling and start doing your your four millimeter uh, increments fill and everything is connected to your adhesive seal. It's like caulking a window. So you're taking the doubt out of uh, this procedure by doing it that way. That's interesting. Um, 
And you've been using this technique in your office, obviously, for since bulk fills have come out. Well, yeah. I mean, if you understand it from mechanical mechanical engineering process and about injection molding, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But if you think you're just going to push heavy with your palm grip and push a lot of liquid in, into a preparation for four millimeters without being mindful of where air voids are, where you're going to get micro leakage on your uh, your proximal walls, I mean. You can get in trouble with universal bond. You can get in trouble with bulk fill if you don't go understand the basics of the of the premise. Right. It's mechanics. It's physics. You have to understand the material and how how it works in the real world in the real environment, which is the tooth. What are the contraindications for using bulk fill composites? If I have a, a, a contraindication, is this? I'm going to. I said it before. Dentin substitution is real. Dentin substitution is something that you are going to backfill to the DEJ. Okay, that's where dentin grew. That's where dentin survives. The modulus of elasticity is different than the enamel. Um, the dentin uh, substitution absorbs the shock and dissipates it into the uh, class five area and then down vertically into the root like a piling on a building. So if you have these undermined buccal-lingual walls, if you're going to do crown and bridge or transitional bonding, is that I would, by preference, have a dual-cured material under those mm-hmm. instead of just going for uh, light polymerization on four-millimeter increments. I'm not going to disagree with my colleagues. It's just I do mechanical engineering, and that's what I, that, that drives everything I do. Anything else you want to add about bulk fills? You've covered a lot of material here in the short period of time that we had. It was excellent information, Dr. Milner. Any last uh, uh, bits of advice you want to throw at us? Yeah, read the literature. (laughs) Just because somebody sells it to you and puts it on your table and you just give it to your assistant and say, tell me what to do, that's not good enough. I'm not honking anybody. I'm just saying... Pay attention now. This uh, this revolution in technology we have does not uh, keep you from reading the instructions and looking into the literature occasionally just to see what's out there. What is the evidence base on this? No, that's great, great advice, Dr. Milner. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate this. And uh, we know that you're going to be doing another podcast shortly on shade selection, which uh, we're looking forward to. For those of you who have not listened to Dr. Milner's previous podcast, He covered contemporary adhesive strategies, which is, uh, he talked about immediate dentin sealing, the different etch techniques, and of course, um, how to handle adhering to enamel and dentin. So we, again, thank you, Dr. Milner. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Phil. And thank you to everybody who listens to this podcast. It's been my pleasure.